Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey guys, this is Josh and the Homebrew Hombres, Liam Malone, Max Wessel, and Doug Banks. Hey! We make RPG from scratch. It's a podcast about making and playing your own tabletop role-playing games. So come listen to us work on the Scratch Dice system, an alternative to D&D and Pathfinder, and listen to our first campaign, Echoes of the Star Crypt, at nerdyshow.com and on your favorite podcast app. The following episode of Flame On is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by a comic shop. Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. And with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geeky programming, visit nerdyshow.com. What's going on, everybody? Pat DeBerry here with another episode of Flame On, closing out the year, the year of 2020. Fucking year. Jeez Louise. I swear I did not think we would make it to this point in time. But we are here, and we are gathered around the roaring fireplace and those chestnuts roasting on an open fire to chat about the month in pop culture and stick around at the end. We're going to give our pick for our favorite pop or pup culture thing of 2020. <laughs> I'm here for all of your dad joke needs. I am joined on the East coast by BJ. Hello. And Eric. Howdy. On the West coast. We have got Brian. Aloha. Oh, not that far west. Not that far west. <laughs> we'll rain you in a little bit. Just on just on the Pacific coasts, not in the middle of the Pacific. But hey, I'm sure at this point, uh, we all would not mind being uh, in Hawaii, enjoying some tropical beverages uh, and not dealing with uh, the winter. Oh, wait, two of you don't deal with winter. Never mind. <laughs> It's gone down to the 50s. Oh my god, stop it. Just stop. Woo! We're supposed to get, it's supposed to drop to the 40s twice this week, as opposed to once. Oh, it'll be a cool Christmas. <laughs> it's, it'll be, it'll be a nice, brisk Christmas. 
Get out there and spray down your plants. <laughs> you don't want them. You don't want Turn them on to your sprinklers <laughs> and cover them up. Put those socks on, everybody. <laughs> I'm not mad about being uh, back in the cold. I just uh, make sure that I have uh, my pajama pants on underneath my sweats, and then I put on my sweatshirt and then my uh, jacket. <laughs> I'm good yep. for a walk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are layers? Oh, Jesus. goodness. I know, I forgot about those. You know, I went out for a walk one, and I was like, oof, I love this jacket, but my... I So I have this zip-up hoodie that is, like, nicely insulated in the chest, but the sleeves are just the, the cotton material, you know? So there's, like, this almost like a, a Sherpa-ish material. Keeps you nice and toasty in the chest area. But my arms, because I am in the Windy City, and by God, the wind around my building kicks up like crazy and i was like my arms are freezing what the fuck and then i i saw somebody with a a lovely like pea coat and a hoodie on and i was like oh that's right layers exist you can't put more clothes on (laughs) after 12 years of like not being cold enough (laughs) i forgot what it was like to add more clothing onto my body so now i make sure that i have it's extra complicated here in seattle because you get like rain all the time so it's cold oh yeah it's windy and it's raining and so you can layer but then if your top layer gets soaked which it typically doesn't if you're not out you know for very long but like then you got a like a wet layer and it's 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 complicated i don't get it that's why i understand why people have those puffy vest jacket things that they look like how does that protect you how does that keep you warm but it it does and it's like slick so anyway winter's complicated yeah it's a less porous outer layer to burn keep, with to, me to not have the <laughs> what burn with me <laughs> hard no uh enough weather talk let's get into the month of december 2020 we've made it here and uh, BJ is going to kick us off with our first topic. It's a bit of a hefty, lengthy, girthy, you might want to say, topic that uh, I'm sure we'll all be chiming in on because there was a little something for everybody in this topic. So take us away, BJ. What are we chatting about first? All right. So uh, for those of you that don't know, Disney actually has its own convention, usually usually around June or August, um, and that's where that's why you usually don't get a lot of Marvel um, news anymore at Comic Con. Uh, but it's their D twenty three convention that did not happen this year. Um, so instead, they did uh, shareholders like uh, like a reveal everything that they have planned going into the new to the new year well they've already announced all of their park additions because they haven't added any new because of covid um but because disney plus has shot well over i think the last count was something crazy like said like 10 million and like within the first year um downloaded and I think that was just within the U.S. Uh, they are going in hard, and they revealed all of their plans for Marvel, uh, Star Wars, uh, Disney Animation, Pixar, and just regular old Disney. Um, so Kevin Feige started uh, by showing a new trailer of WandaVision. I'm pretty sure most of you have seen that already. Um, but he also mentioned that WandaVision will be leading into 
um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and the next Spider-Man movie, which people didn't realize. Um, and then they announced that they will have um, a plethora of series, um, the ones we've already known about, Loki, What If, uh, but they also mentioned that they are doing an Ironheart uh, series with Riri. Uh, they're doing a Miss Marvel series, and Miss um, Miss Marvel will be in the Captain Marvel um, two movie, um, and as well as uh, was that Monica Rambo, um, the other yes, Captain the Marvel. the aged up Monica Rambo will be in uh, first premiering in WandaVision, and then yep. making her big screen debut in Captain Marvel two. Yeah. Um, and Ironheart will lead, will be at least adjacent or lead into an Armor Wars uh, series uh, with Don Cheadle as a, a War Machine. Um, he'll be in that, and it's it's literally the Armor Wars storyline from the comics, where literally everybody gets uh, Tony Stark's armor uh, armor schematics. I think I don't know if it's going to be all of them or his like most recent one before he died spoiler alert um but yeah so they're gonna have armor <laughs> wars and and iron heart uh will be in that as well uh, they're going to do a secret invasion with uh talos and nick fury that'll be a series uh, that will also touch on the um uh the uh, the winter soldier uh in falcon series um they are doing a Moon Knight series. We're going to get a Guardians of the Galaxy uh, holiday special, <laughs> which they're filming alongside the next movie. Uh, and then the other big announcements is we are getting Fantastic Four. So, uh, and that is the the director for that's the same one for the current uh, Spider-Man uh, films. I just can't remember his name, but uh, he's he's uh, he's uh, directing that one. And of course, Black Panther two. They're not recasting T'Challa. Um, I'm super interested in this, which is uh, Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania, uh, which will have Kang the Conqueror in it as the main villain, who will be played by the lead from Lovecraft Country. Um, I think his name is Jonathan something, um, but he is playing Kang the Conqueror. Uh, in uh, the next, and I love the fact that they just call it Quantum Mania because I remember that quote where he says, "Where he's just like, you're just putting the word quantum in front of things." I don't understand what you're saying. So that's Jonathan Majors who played Atticus in Lovecraft Country and is playing Kang, and then um, the director was John. Uh, oh God, I just had. I think it was John Webb. They, they got somebody named Webb to direct Spider Man. <laughs> That just seems a little too on the nose. Sorry, John, John Watts. I, Mark Webb. John, John Watts. Watts. Mark oh, okay. Webb was... Mark <laughs> Webb, I believe, was the director for the previous Spider-Man series. It's too many oh, names. The, yeah, yep, the Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. Too many Spider-Men. Um, well, they're all going to be in the new Spider-Man series because you've seen the <laughs> casting announcements. They keep adding... Jesus, right? So many different... From all the continuities. It's kind of a... Spider-Man uh, assemble. And I... Yeah. <laughs> And I feel like it just made it worse when he mentioned that, like, WandaVision is going to actually touch on the next Spider-Man movie. And I was just like, no, you're just feeding more, you're feeding more theories every... Well, it, it kind of, it kind of has to because they've already said that it's going to um, lead into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse yeah. of Madness. So it's going to bleed into this whole multiverse concept that they 
introduced in the movies in um endgame with you know the the infinity stones and and doing all of that but this will open up the door for them to be able to bring in andrew garfield and toby mcguire and uh jamie fox and uh was it willem dafoe i think at this point i read somewhere it was the best thing i read about the whole spider-man thing at this point it's easier to say who's not in (laughs) spider-man 3 than to say who's in it yes which, I mean, honestly, the, the, the past Willem. two have been Defoe. great, so... Willem. Um, Sorry. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the, 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 I'm, not, I'm not even really super worried about it, because just... Uh, and since they're doubling down, they're also doing... They confirmed the She-Hulk series uh, with Mark Ruffalo uh reprising his role as they haven't said if he's going to be doc green or if he's going to be um i imagine he's going to be doc green at least for part of the series uh and they said the abomination also will be uh coming back uh for that series uh they also got hawkeye i must want her to be kind of a harvey birdman for superheroes (laughs) i think that would be hilarious if they did it like that well, what's what's hilarious is I think that's kind of they're, they're going for because that was the big thing is she's illegal she's she's a lawyer yeah. and one of the big things is she becomes a lawyer for the heroes and superpowered beings so they said that like th- out of all of the Disney Plus series uh, Marvel ones that one's going to be the most cameo heavy as far as like all the actors and characters from the MCU. So I find that super interesting, and I'm. It's got. I would like it. I, I would like it to have a more comedic edge, because I feel like that would be perfect. I mean, or like a dramedy sort of. Um, so it'll be. That'll be. That's that's one of the ones that Miss Marvel or two or two of the ones that I'm super interested in past WandaVision. Um, so and WandaVision will be the first one to come out uh, in January, I believe, sixteenth. You're not excited about the Loki TV series. So the trailer, the uh, first I wasn't at first I wasn't at all, and then after the trailer, I'm like, "What the hell is going it's on?" And delightfully, <laughs> like it's a the, the TVA Irreverent. Time Variance Authority, yeah. which I think is a Marvel thing, but it's been so long since I've heard of them. But I was like, "Wait, is that a Marvel thing?" And it's got what Owen Wilson as the agent, yeah, uh, and then of course Tom Hiddlesmith, uh, is it Hiddleston, 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 Tom, what's his name? Hiddleston. 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 Um, Hiddleston. Being Loki, but Loki in all these different time eras and in different outfits, some of which are references to the comics, some of which are, you know, just kind of their own thing. So uh, I think that looks really playful and ridiculous. Um, I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah, that one, that one. And and what's funny is, like, we're, t- we're talking about these Marvel series, but, like, most of them aren't going past one season. Like, they're all just kind of... Originally, they were just kind of there when they took a break for... They were supposed to take a year break for the movies. I mean, they got a year break for the movies. Um, But they were supposed to put these out this year. And then next year, I think uh, Black Widow was the start of the next kind of phase. Um, So we're actually going to be sitting on, like, almost two years of no movies. So that'll be interesting. And then we've got uh, uh, Shang-Chi and the... uh, the Ten Rings, uh, Eternals, which they didn't give a ton of information on, which I'm actually kind of glad, um, because I've been looking forward to the properties that are less known, 
Um, and then, uh, oh, they did say that Christian Bale will be in uh, Thor Love and Thunder as Gore the God Butcher. Um, which will be interesting, because I, as far as I remember with Gore the God Butcher, I think he his like origins laid with the, uh, uh, the symbiote stuff. If I'm not mistaken, his last comic appearance was at the end of Jane Foster's run as Thor. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, they did a rehash of the, uh, the was it like the three Thors storyline where they brought, yeah. uh, you had Jane Foster's Mighty Thor, you brought back a younger Thor, and uh, you had old King Thor, and they had to work together with Loki in order to, to stop him. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see where they pull the inspiration for Love and Thunder from, and uh, I'm excited to see it. Yeah, yeah, uh, it, 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 especially after they announced uh, they announced that that casting for it. So, um, yeah, no, tons of tons and tons of Marvel stuff. I do like how it almost feels like you'll have a handful of series that are directly related to movies. Like Miss Marvel will be direct, directly linked to Captain Marvel two. Um, WandaVision seems actually to touch on almost a little bit of everything, um, which will be interesting. But then you have, uh, you'll have She-Hulk, which is kind of self-contained within the MCU, but it's, it's kind of its own standalone thing. You'll have the Armor Wars and Ironheart. The, I like the fact that those two are kind of related to each other and will have more. Um, I, uh, I'm very excited to see how they kind of play that out. Um, so, and then. Uh, I, I think there's something interesting going on here. And, and BJ, you, you kind of touched on it a little bit. Um. Whereas I think originally it was sort of a bridge of TV, I think Marvel and surprisingly, not surprisingly, Lucas uh, Arts, both Disney companies, they're finding that there's certain advantages to telling these epic stories in longer term formats like television and streaming. Um, mm-hmm. And so what I'm anticipating is actually more of this. And certainly we know there's more of this coming with both Marvel and Lucas films, which I think we're talking about as well. Uh, yeah, and 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 less of the big production movie uh, uh, pieces, and I think there's more reason to think that that's a long term trend, as a lot of people are kind of predicting cinema is going to collapse into home and same day same release, like uh, uh, yeah. Warner Brothers announced. So I think there's a lot of people who are kind of looking at this uh, medium, both film and television, sort of seeing this convergence, uh, and and it makes sense with Marvel specifically. Uh, but also the Star Wars universe to like bridge those worlds to have more interaction. And that's kind of why I think in part they killed off the old Marvel TV and then just threw all their, their, their funding, all their support into this Feige verse extended into the streaming. Uh, so it's, yeah. it's a really interesting time if you're a, into media of any kind, but especially TV and movies. Some people hate it. Like if you're following the WB thing and uh, the the uh, Noel, Christopher Nolan and uh, uh, Denis Villeneuve, uh, their intense reactions to oh, this yeah. announcement that, that WB all their movies will be same day, same date, theater and home uh, streaming through HBO Max. Like it's it's interesting, but there's a lot of polarized opinions about uh, about the the, the trend. Well, and it's and it's breaking it's de- it's breaking tradition. And if there's one thing 
old people in charge of companies do not like. It is the breaking of traditions. And because when you do that, when you break something that's been an institution like movie theaters like that, it it you have to rethink the entire industry. And you're, I think you're absolutely correct, because uh, especially with Disney, since they have their fingers in just about every little pot out there, that they're seeing that change and they're kind of rolling with it in a way where they're still kind of within theaters, but at the same time, they can also kind of craft a more immersive world using the Disney Plus service. Um, because we, you'd mentioned uh, Lucas, Lucas Arts and Lucasfilm. Um, they also, uh, there is a plethora of Star Wars headed our way. We've got Mandalorian season three, um, Rangers of the New Republic, which I'm super interested in because that's supposed to be, um, the, if any of you follow Mandalorian, I'm pretty sure we all do. Um, that is actually supposed to have all of the Rangers we see within the Mandalorian. And I think plus Marshall, um, they're all supposed to be within that series. Um, we'll have an, a live-action Ahsoka series, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi series. With Hayden Christensen. Uh, Willow. Yes. Uh, Willow series, which um, I need to go rewatch Willow. It's been... I think I was 11 when I saw Willow the last time. Uh, an animated series, The Bad Batch. Um, and then the other things they didn't really... Uh, expand upon they have a droid series a droid story um the acolyte the acolyte's huge and here's why the acolyte is the first television property that they are doing that ties into their general campaign that's sorry it's being launched on comics novels games about the high republic so a lot of people were thinking that lucas arts or lucasfilm i'm sorry lucas uh star wars was going to go back to the old republic which a lot of yeah. us are familiar from comics and, and, and online gaming uh, or, or gaming in general. The, and they, the compromise or the way they, they did it is instead of doing that far back, they're going only a couple hundred years, whereas the Old Republic is like thousands of years before current Star Wars. Oh, yeah. So High Republic is Yoda's around, the Jedi are at their t- top of their game, the, the, the Republic is, you know, all this amazing stuff, and it sort of butts up against the beginning of when the darkness comes that is the, okay. the prequels uh, of star Wars. So, so the high Republic is huge. And, and I just thought, Oh, this is just going to be a comic book TV or uh, not, not TV comic book uh, games. But then this, the series came out, uh, was announced and uh, somebody fairly high profile. um I'm trying to find their name um, uh, is, is involved with it. So it's, it's actually, uh, I don't know. I'm excited about that more than anything because it's an area of star Wars that we just have not seen yet. Okay. See, I thought it was. I was thinking it was Old Republic as well. So I've never even. Okay. So that's actually that's pretty cool. If it's a couple hundred years, you know, like, and it's going to be butting up against, you know, our our original trilogy time. Are we actually going to get a baby Yoda? Well, I think it's Yoda's like formative years. It's, <laughs> I don't think they're doing the Grogu uh, redo. Uh, yeah, I was. I was going to say. I, I want a real sure baby be- Yoda. <laughs> Uh, Leslie Headland. Original. Leslie Headland. And the reason you may know of her is she's the, the creator of the Netflix series Russian Doll, which was oh. pretty amazing uh, if you haven't. Yeah. So so they're bringing in some really cool uh, creators to play in this universe. And again, 
Mandalorian proved that Star Wars can work in long-term storytelling in, in, a, in a TV sort of format. And so they are doubling, tripling down on this shit and just launching so many series that, and, and there's one we'll talk about when we get to talk about the Mandalorian uh, finale uh, that, that, that hasn't, hadn't been announced yet. Oh. But yeah. But no, and then they got a, a Lando series, and they haven't say, stated whether or not it's going to be uh, Donald Glover or um, oh my god, Donald Glover's Billy, just Billy D. The original one for him. Billy D. Yeah, um, and then a series called Star Wars Visions and a Andor series, which I don't, I don't foresee that being a joy. I don't understand game. that one. It's like I liked uh, uh, Rogue One, but Andor was not the. Uh, who ca- I don't know. I he uh, Di- it was it Diego Garcia? I think is his name. Yes, he's yeah. fine. I just I just I was surprised that they announced that he's going to do a series. But what could be interesting is if he is like a spy. I mean, that's what he was. He was a spy for the Republic, right? Or for for the Rebellion, rather. Uh, yeah, I could see that kind of being an interesting world to explore. Um, in that like pre, because uh, obviously it has to be a prequel to Rogue One. Um. Uh, that pre uh, Death Death Star pre whatever world. Um, there's yeah. also you, you. I don't know if you're you probably have on your list. Uh, Rogue Squadron, directed yes. by uh, directed by Patty Jenkins, Patty Jenkins. Uh, Wonder Woman yep. fame. So like, uh, and that's it's a little unclear when that takes place, but I think a lot of people are suspecting it's going to be probably after Rogue One, but about the rise of the X Wing, you know, uh, squadron. squadron. Yeah, obviously. But yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, that, and I. And that's the only movie uh, I think they Star Wars movie they have slated because everything else I just mentioned are uh, series, um, and I think the only animated series is Bad Batch, um, which continues off of um, Clone Wars. Um, so yeah, so we've got we've got a some very interesting Star Wars stuff coming, um, and then real quickly uh, Pixar they have a couple of uh, series. Uh, they're doing, uh, they're releasing Soul, um, they're releasing that on Christmas Day on Disney Plus, uh, if anybody's looking for something to watch on Christmas, other than Wonder Woman 1984, uh, they're gonna do a series of shorts of Doug from Up, uh, they're gonna do a Cars series, and I think they got Owen Wilson to reprise his role as Lightning McQueen, uh, Luca the Red Panda, or no, Luca is a separate series, and then they're, uh, movie, and then they're doing Turning Red, about a girl turning into a red panda. And then super interestingly enough, they're doing a Lightyear movie, which isn't about Buzz Lightyear the toy, but like an actual story in which the toy was based off of. Um, and that's going to be uh, uh, Captain America, Chris... Uh, not Evans. Pratt. Too many Chris's. Evans, thank you. Um, yeah, it's, uh, Chris Evans is going to be voicing, uh, that version of Buzz Lightyear. Uh, they officially announced Hocus Pocus 2. Um, we're going to get a cheaper Dive by the Dozen series, Diary of a Wimpy Kid series, um, a Night at the Museum series, um, a Mighty Ducks, uh, series, which weirded me out, uh, Turner and Hooch series, um... I've never heard of this, but I think it was a book, The Mysterious uh, Benedict Society. I have, I've never heard of that one, uh, but somebody said it's based on a series of books. Um, and then we've got uh, Rescue Rangers uh, series coming to Disney Plus, uh, Sister Act 3 uh, coming to Disney Plus, 
uh, a Moana series, a Tiana series, uh, a Zootopia series, um, and uh, what's really interesting, a series called Encanto, uh, which is about a uh, South American family, uh, magic family in a house, um, that that looks super that's interesting. That's just a movie, so, right? I don't think that's a series. Yeah, Encanto's yeah. just a movie. And that's got and that's got music by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Oh, Okay. Of course it's ours. <laughs> Why wouldn't it? Spanish music? Uh, of course it's got Lynn Manuel right now. And of course they're they're doing live they're still they're still gonna plan on pumping out live action versions of like their classic movies personally so they can hold on to the rights for them. Uh so Little Mermaid, uh Pinocchio, um Cruella, they're still planning on doing that movie. Um so yeah, uh Three Men and a Baby series. So yeah, they're they're cashing in all their uh because I'm pretty sure Ninth Museum, that was Fox, I think, originally. So they're cashing in that uh, Fox contract. Well, one more hard. piece we should definitely mention. Um, Lucasfilms is going to do another movie. They did have another movie they announced, but it wasn't Star Wars uh, or, or the Willow property. It's actually uh, The Children of Blood and Bone, uh, which I have not read this book, but it is very wi- uh, widely regarded as a really bold new world that they're exploring that draws on West African heritage. Uh, the writer is Tomi Adeyemi. Adeyemi, I might be saying that wrong. Um, but, uh, you know, it's neat because in, in a time of a lot of retread and, you know, digging up old properties and reinventing them, whatever, this is a bold new, like, property that they're going to explore. Uh, written by, uh, I believe they're African-American. They might be African. I don't know. Uh, I got to look into more of uh, Tomio's uh, back, background. But it sounds interesting, and I, I'm very excited that we're getting a, a major studio to put forward this kind of new property in a, in a, in a yeah. minefield of just uh, nostalgia series that we're all, you know, familiar with. Tomi uh, Adiemi is a Nigerian American and uh, she's young. She's 27. I mean, this is, this is crazy. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm so excited. I, I mean, I, I will say this as a cisgender white uh, male, I am happy to hear a better representation in these properties. However, I don't think it's by far enough, uh, at least at the high level. So having somebody like Tommy's work featured as a movie uh, is exciting. And I, I'd like to see more of that. And yeah, there, um, Iron yeah, Heart's that was also one of the good. things I noticed. Yeah. Ironheart, um, but uh, Miss Mar with Miss Marvel, the four directors they have for the series are all uh, Pakistani American. Um, which is really cool, and I think they even tapped the original writer for from the comic for this. Oh, really? Well, G. Willow um, Wilson. Yeah. Awesome, she's great. Yeah. I love her. Um, yeah. So they, um, they, so they, 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 they're getting there. Um, so it'll be, it'll be very interesting. I think they did the. They also did the. Um, if you haven't seen the shareholders meeting, it's super cute. They did the auditions uh, for Kamala online and they did a zoom call with the girl they picked and she was like walking down the street when they told her and she's just like oh she's like i was getting ice cream i'm freaking out um so i have a dumb question to ask and maybe you guys know so kamala harris is our new vice president elect coming in right Mm -hmm. kamala i don't remember her last name is miss marvel is it the same kamala and is it said the same way is it kamal i this is just something i don't know. Our our vice president elect is is com is Kama like the 
the symbol plus law. Okay. And then um, Kamala is Ms. Marvel. Is it spelled the same? That it's just a different pronunciation? I mean, I know Kamala is not Pakistani. She's got other ethnicities that factor in. But I just was like trying to... Old man here trying to figure out how to say it right. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's just it's just a different pronunciation. Yeah. Okay. Well, kind of like kind of like Hippolyta and Hippolyta. When you're watching Lovecraft Country, they say Hippolyta's name as Hippolyta, even though if you read it, it's Hippolyta, and they have the same meaning. It's just that's the that's the like like the 50s pronunciation of it in Chicago in the 1950s. Sorry. Totally non sequitur. Then we've got Iwaji, uh, which is kind of like an Afrocentric um, series, and it's done in conjunction. So it's Disney and Kugali, um, which is South African entertainment company, uh, and it's supposed to be kind of like a futuristic city um, very Afrocentric styles. Um, so I'm, I'm in, I'm in, that's a completely original series too. Um, so I'm very interested in that, uh, as well. So that'll be really cool. Absolutely. And just as a heads up, the globally Disney plus is now at 86.6 million subscribers. They, uh, announced an addition of 13 million subscribers this year alone. They were expecting to be around 90 million subscribers by their fourth year. Of being uh, yeah. uh, active service, and now that we've just passed the one year mark, they're at eighty six point six million subscribers, and uh, that's uh, incredible considering a good chunk of them were uh, Verizon subscribers that had that first year for free. <laughs> so the fact yeah. that uh, you know uh, a month after that subscription wasn't free anymore, they still had those numbers. Good on them. That's a whole lot yeah. of Verizon subscribers forgetting to cancel. <laughs> well, that and, and that's the thing is is streaming services. This will be the last thing I say on Disney Plus. Um, I, for now, I'm sure we'll I'm sure we'll dive deep back into it in a year or two. But um, uh, streaming services do not actually turn a profit till they hit like that 80 million, 90 million uh, subscriber number, and that usually takes like four to five years. And then it becomes profitable. So for them to actually already hit that um, definitely explains why we're getting, they're going all in on Disney Plus uh, with all their properties. Um, and they're, I believe they're doing a dollar increase next year for it. Yep. Unless you subscribe for the full year, in which case it's only a $10 increase over the $12 increase in that $1 per month. So it's going to be $7.99 per month instead of $6.99. And uh, if you do the year subscription, it's seventy nine ninety nine versus the current sixty nine ninety nine per year. Yep. Sue, so that is BJ's topic for the month, getting us all down and deep with the Disney shareholders meeting that took place, and uh, a whole lot of brand new stuff coming to the world of uh, of Disney. Uh, a lot of it in Disney Plus, and some coming to uh, a local theater near you during a pandemic okay cool anyway because <laughs> you know there's still some parts of the u.s that are like the wild west and shit is open that shouldn't be open looking at you florida anyway let's go on to our next topic eric why don't you uh tell us what you're gonna be talking about this month it's the prom uh which 
Not is... the porn. Not the porn. No. That's different. <laughs> a different four-letter word that starts with P. Um, this is a musical film on the Netflix. It's an adaptation of the musical, which came out in 2018. Um, and was in, and that was inspired by a real life story, um, from 2010. And, um, a senior at a high school in Mississippi, uh, she was barred from the prom for wanting to take her girlfriend, um, and wear a tuxedo. And are any of you familiar with the property? No. No, I don't know this one. Yeah. So, um, the... The film adaptation, which was directed by Ryan Murphy, he's doing everything now. The cast list includes uh, Meryl Streep, James Corden, Nicole Kidman, uh, Keegan-Michael Key, uh, Andrew Rannells, uh, Kerry Washington, and Tracy Ullman uh, are kind of the high-list, high-profile cast. Uh, And then they have some younger newcomers as... The high school students. Uh, there was some flack when they announced the movie cast because they didn't carry over any cast from the Broadway show, um, which was a little interesting given that, I mean, I'm not sure when this actually filmed, but with Broadway actors being out of work for so long because of the pandemic, um, and the show closed in 2019, so, I mean, some of them might have had other gigs, but probably a lot of them aren't working right now, so could have used uh, something this high profile. Uh, so that was a thing. Um, it was a a good movie, kind of uplifting. Lord knows we could use that. <laughs> um, there was some flack with James Corden playing the role he played because he was playing a gay man, which... That's been kind of an ongoing conversation people have been having um, when it comes to gay and trans roles, that they should be casting gay and trans actors in these parts. But if you're going to pick a a straight man to play a gay man, you could do a lot worse than James Corden, because I think we all feel a a certain uh, uh, fondness and uh, (laughs) he could... I want to eat his ass! I I mean... I want to eat his ass! I mean... There were a number of years um, where I did not know he was a straight man. (laughs) (laughs) I was surprised to find out he was married. I legit was like, I was like, I will accept that he's straight, but I will not accept that he's married. Um, I don't know. I'm probably the only one on the cast right now that is kind of over him. I, I enjoyed him. Uh, when we were first introduced to him in the the nerddom via Doctor Who, uh, and then he permeated everything, and then I kind of just wanted him to not be in so many things. That's fair. Um, Want to eat his ass? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's definitely fair to say that there are a lot of gay and trans parts. Um, that probably should go to gay and trans actors because there are fewer of those roles and it's 
casting somebody who's gone through a lot of these things can bring a more authenticity to the role. Uh, but I was listening to Andrew Rannells um, in an interview on um, a podcast last week where he was talking about the movie um, and kind of what his feelings were about uh, James Corden playing this role. And he said that uh, while they were filming it, uh, they even had like a gay safe word uh, where if Andrew thought that James was going kind of too far and over the top with the role, he could kind of rein him in and say, you know what, you're making this too much of a caricature right now. Uh, so kind of tone it down a little bit. But, I mean, I thought James did very well. It's very, it is an over-the-top, it's written kind of as a caricature. It's a big, gay, Broadway star, flamboyant, and all that. Uh, and it deals with his struggle. So Nathan Lane? I mean, <laughs> kind of a Nathan Lane. Um <laughs> It's kind of his part of the story. He talks about him never getting to go to his prom. Uh, and the fact that when he came out to his parents, he ended up running away because they were going to put him through conversion therapy. Uh, and there, it's, it's very touching. I mean, all of the adult parts, these four Broadway actors who go to this small town to become activists because they're having bad PR in their careers in New York and they just kind of pick a cause which ends up being that this lesbian is not allowed to go to her high school's prom as kind of a way for them to get good publicity and through their time in the small Indiana town uh, they have to come to grips with the fact that they started doing this for a selfish reason but they're all learning and growing from the experience. And in the end, they do change people's minds, and there's a great big inclusive prom at the end, uh, which uh, you see all kinds of couples showing up to. And it's a huge celebration at the end. Everybody's happy. So it's good. It's got good music, good production. Uh, I think it's just a happy thing to watch right now. Happy, that's so 2019. <laughs> I'm going to say it's 2021, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, do you know who wrote the book? Was this a musical from uh, people who had done other things, or is it sort of um, new? Let's see here. I could have looked this up, too. I just was like, I usually know all of the theater stuff that I don't, so I was like, oh, Eric's going to. No, I didn't recognize um, some. The book was by Bob Martin. I'm not familiar with that name. Uh, and then Music and Lyrics was by Matthew Sklar and Chad Guillen. Again, these are names that I'm not familiar with. So Matthew Sklar, I was thinking he was one of the Sklar brothers. No. Uh, the two, yeah, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> they do that too? Um, but uh, yeah, no, he's uh, West End. I mean, he's done other work, but nothing. Uh, I guess he's done work for the... the Written music for The Wedding Singer, Elf the Musical, and The Prom. Yeah. So, you know. Oh, wow. Um, and then uh, Chad Buguelin, um, he was nominated for a Tony for uh, 
Best Original Book and Original Score for Aladdin. Oh. All right. Yeah, I think everybody should check out the prom. Did any of you have significant uh, prom memories from when you were in high school? We weren't allowed to go to a prom? What is that? We were Southern Baptist. We didn't believe in such nonsense. Oh, Lord. Okay. Y'all, buckle up, y'all. <laughs> um, so, I went to school in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, well, Shambly, Georgia, to be specific. And my first, my junior prom was at the Fairbanks Science Museum. And literally, the the girl I went with didn't really go to our school she had technically graduated but she couldn't graduate from high school there was there was some like weirdness in paperwork like she had to take one class at our school and the rest of her classes were at a community college so me and her went together you could obviously tell both of our mothers were like oh my god we never thought they would actually get a date to this thing and then we proceeded to ditch most of the prom with with our friends to look at the ex- the exhibits that the general public didn't have access to yet. So that was my junior prom, and then my senior prom, I went without a date, um, and me and some friends just kind of hung out, and then we went to Georgia Tech and played DDR for the rest of the night. So <laughs> fondue was involved somewhere in those two. So not bad, but just... So we didn't have a prom, as as I alluded to, but a group of my misfit friends in high school for the night of the senior banquet, which is what they called it, right? Because you could could have food and you could have a... You couldn't dance. Um, We all said, fuck that, and we went to the melting pot, so it's kind of funny. There's a fondue connection. And then wore, like, ridiculous clothes from the um, thrift store. I don't know why, it was just a thing. Uh, but it was a oh, really God. fun night and, uh, you know, a small group of us. Uh, and then we still showed up at the end of the senior banquet just to sort of wave at people and see if anyone was going anywhere afterwards. And, you know, they had already left. So, you know, we missed out. But, uh, yeah, no dancing. The Holy Spirit, uh, you need something about the Holy Spirit has to be between you. I don't know. I don't remember all that stuff. Yeah, you have to, you have to leave room for yeah, Jesus. Yes. Six inches is how much Jesus room you need to leave. That's kind of interesting coincidence, right? <laughs> I like how they, I like how when, I, what was it, where was, I can't remember, I was at a, I was at a church thing, and they said that, and I was like, are you assuming that all of us are under six inches? And I remember getting in trouble, but I was, I've never been more proud of myself than in that moment. I don't think we ever went back to that church ever again. I'm not, yeah, we never went back to that church ever again, but yeah, it's like, bold of you to assume that. Oh. Yeah, I went to both of my proms with uh, groups of friends, and like I never dated anyone in high school, so I just took uh, girlfriends of mine um, each year, but there wasn't anything really interesting about it, because it was just, we were not in a big town, so we did not have anywhere exciting to go, at, uh, to ditch the prom to go to somewhere else. Uh, could have had corn mazes. I mean, <laughs> cow tipping. I mean, there's things you can do. Uh, Pat, did you have a prom experience? Uh, <laughs> yeah, nothing, nothing major. Went with friends uh, to junior prom. Um, I, oh god, my senior prom. Yeah, took this girl. She didn't want to be there. <laughs> 
I was confused. You know. <laughs> Such is life. She didn't want to be there. I mean, I won't say that she didn't want to be there, but I- I'm pretty sure at that point it was just all a matter of, you know, hey, a free night of food at this place. I try not to look back on my high school <laughs> <laughs> memories too often. I mean, when your when your biggest high school like the event was the uh, the OJ verdict being announced and everybody <laughs> sneaking uh, some sort of radio device in to listen to <laughs> to it as it uh, happened live, you know that shows you how old I am. <laughs> listen, you gotta make sure you keep that aspirin between your knees. And always know about the loophole. <laughs> oh, the loophole. Oh. <laughs> Fuck me in the ass because I love Jesus. That is making a resurgence on TikTok. What? Is it really? People, there's there's younger people who've never heard of that. Garfunkel and Oates. Yeah, nobody's heard of them. So they play that one part of the song where it's like, take your cock out. <laughs> and they play that for their boyfriends. And they're like... I love that. <laughs> it's 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 a nice little re- it's it's one of the many reaction videos, but yeah, it's it's that uh it's that one part of the song that's extremely graphic. I need to, I need you to find that compilation and send it over to me cuz I that <laughs> I feel like would be a great giggle just like watching the uh the the compilation of videos where uh the one gay boy plays the uh He's just a boy, but he's a bottom. <laughs> and, you know, getting the looks from that. But yes, uh, <laughs> that is the prom on Netflix. That is Eric's uh, pick for uh, his topic for the month of December. Moving right along. Brian, what is the way to your topic? So I finished Mandalorian season two, as I know all of us did uh, very recently. Uh, unfortunately, not before being spoiled by a major oh. news site. And I was like, what? What? Come on. Why would you? I, and that? it wasn't because I was looking for it. It was just on a major news. Anyway, whatever. Point is, I'm not going to spoil this. I would suggest all of us agree that we will not spoil the thing that happens uh, uh, at the end of the uh, season of season two, uh, but but rather just say well, how very Jedi of you. Yes, uh, <laughs> I, I I will just say that. I mean, but we need to talk about the, what they did and how they did it. All right, well Come here's on. what we'll do. I'll talk about this non-spoilery. We'll give a sufficient warning, uh, and we'll talk about it, and then we'll because I think honestly, if I had not been spoiled, the moment would have been pretty cool. It was already. It was cool. It's a great moment in some ways. But um, anyway, back up, back up, because we haven't talked about Mandalorian in probably, what, at least a month? Did you guys talk about it last month when I wasn't here? Uh, I don't no, so. I think it's been a little while. I don't think I don't think we talked about it since, like, episode three or so. So we have a little yeah, bit of ground like to episode, cover from. Yeah, it was, it was episode three of, like, season so one. So everyone knows about Baby Yoda, a.k.a. his name now is Grogu, uh, oh, which is sweet. I, I guess. I don't know. Um, but, oh my god, that scene of the scene of Mando in the in his ship after the Ahsoka episode, where he looks back like Grogu's got his you know is playing around and he looks but he's like Grogu, <laughs> and then he turns and he's like Grogu. 
And it's crazy. You can see the smile through in the, the helmet. It's like you can totally tell he's just <laughs> <I know>. beaming. <laughs> oh, he's, he's Between so that crazy. and the, the, the blue Macrons that I'm sure Disney will be selling uh, in their Star Wars <laughs> land sooner rather than thought, later. Uh, wait, no, it's um, it, they, you can get them now from um, Williams and Sonoma, I think. And they're like 45 bucks yeah. or some bullshit. Okay. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, Pedro Pascal. Let's just talk about him first. He is the guy who's in the suit. Not all the time. Let's be be clear. But he is the Mandalorian's voice. Although a lot of people, especially when Timothy Oliphant showed up at the beginning of the season, were like, wait, I thought it was Timothy Oliphant in the suit because it sounds just like him. <laughs> it is Pedro Pascal. Great job. Um, this season, uh, I think it really doubled down on the Grogu story. Uh, for better or for worse, I think there are times where... I felt like the the charm of the Old West sort of uh, fighter, bounty hunter thing kind of fell away. Um, but because everyone loves Grogu, it, it works. It's just like, all right, we care about this too much. Yes, the Mandalorian, uh, Jin, whatever his name is. I forgot his name, but whatever. The Mandalorian. Mando. Jin Jaren. Jin Jaren, yeah. Jin Jaren, um, yeah. He... He is on an evolution. He has an arc. And that arc is his sort of chance now to keep the culture of the Mandalorians alive, to follow the code, you know, the way, um, and to help Grogu as a foundling uh, come, you know, full circle back to his people. So, uh, you know, it's good. Uh, there are some episodes I felt like were a little weak. I think the one uh, in the ice uh, the with the 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 fish woman, and the only thing that's oh, like the frog woman and the weird ice spiders. The frog woman and the weird ice spiders. That would have been a great subtitle for the episode. And how <laughs> how baby Yogan, uh, baby Yogan, wow, baby Yogan, baby Yoda slash Grogu, absolutely not a vegan. Which you know he was eating frogs whole oh, no. at the beginning of the series, so no one no yeah. one should think otherwise. However, it is pretty disturbing. <laughs> To see him. He's trying to eat the last of her kids. The last of this poor woman's unfertilized eggs. Just, it's a thing. He's got a thing for balls. That's another thing about Grogu. I don't know if you know this, but he likes balls. Uh, I'm not saying he's got issues or might be a little, you know, but he's like, he likes balls. He likes sphere. Sometimes a sphere he has is just an a oral sphere. fixation. He, yes. <laughs> he likes fixation. to put things in his mouth. Um,. So, so there's a great, there's good episodes. There's some mediocre episodes. I think the inclusion of lore from the Clone Wars, and that's where um, I'm not going to say Bo-Katan, uh, Boca Raton, but Bo-Katan, <laughs> um, uh, played Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan, thank you. See again, I keep wanting to say it like Boca Raton. Uh, played by Katie Sackhoff from Battlestar Galactica and other stuff. I think that was brilliant. I love that she's in there. I love seeing... That was some really good casting. Well, I mean, she was the voice, so it's, it was just like, well, yeah, yeah. obviously we have to get her. I, I'm curious, do they actually draw Bo-Katan to look like her? Uh, because what I've seen, image-wise, I never watched The Clone Wars. Like, I've never look, seen any they, of the animated stuff. I don't think they did at first. Yeah, I, no, I don't think she looks like her. I think she, I mean, she sounds like her because it's her. But yeah, I yeah. think that she looks different. Um, so they had to kind of try to like mold that a bit. Um, yeah, but um, that's a cool story, and uh, obviously, we'll you know we'll talk spoilers in a second. Massive ramifications. Does it look more like her? Season. Pat's making a face. 
<laughs> I'm gonna hold on. Yeah. While while you do that, so I'm so gonna... we're gonna talk more about that and the dark saber, which is a big part of the lore with uh, the Mandalorians and all that stuff. But um, yep. uh, Moff Gideon, played by uh, Giancarlo Esposito. I love him so yeah. much. He chews every fucking scene he's in, especially when he plays a yeah. villain. And I just the man with the plan, and I just love. He's just—he's got a menace like, that's almost like, like almost there's like a little bit of like he's—he's he's somewhat sympathetic. He—he—he's yeah. got that weird. It's weird. Oh, okay. So I mean, sort of like her. Not in the face, but definitely like with the costuming. They did a—they did a good job. Yeah, they found a, a balance. The costuming, I mean... does, the costuming does most of the work, but it's—it's it's pretty. It's, it's Those two pictures right there. That's. I wonder if she was very like if she if um, Katie Sackoff was kind of like the first choice for getting uh, for doing the voice, and then they kind of modeled the the imaging around that you know a little bit. Maybe not. No, not saying that it would you know become what you know like if it went live action it would be it would be her you know playing it but i kind of feel like there was a little bit of that and and it's it's happened in other you know uh animation stuff where the the character will take on an image not unlike the the voice actor portraying them definitely not ahsoka though because she doesn't look well, like a little white girl. So, so let's talk about Ahsoka Tano because I think a lot of people like they, we knew she was cast. Rosario Dawson was cast, but we didn't know the extent of her. They involvement. never confirmed it. Oh, they didn't. Okay, they it was never just confirmed rumored. it. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was ex- like so widely rumored, but they did not confirm it at all, even going into the episode. And I think that's partially because of uh, Rosario Dawson's legal issues and there being some um, some pushback from uh, from certain sectors of yep. the populace. Well, so we'll talk about so so she has issues that she's been dealing with with uh, with uh, um, uh, the trans community, to say the least. Uh, but also uh, Gina Carano, uh, who plays uh, Cara Dune, who is admittedly you take the the person away and she is a thick uh like republic shock trooper could very well potentially like be a new like reincarnation of like G- uh xena warrior princess like just oh, yeah. badass kind of whatever um but as a person she's trash um <laughs> and i don't just mean that she's conservative because she's conservative but then she's conservative trash like she is uh. aggressively gross about um her 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 political persuasion or whatever i don't know so so a lot of people aren't so happy about her being in this series and in a bigger role it sounds like uh, well definitely in this series but in possibly in the follow-on stuff uh so yeah there's a lot of different people and personalities but that asano okay forget about what's your name asano uh, uh asoko rather like that episode was brilliant it was so good yes and um robert rodriguez directed it who has done um some amazing um uh sort of like not spaghetti western but like uh was it dead 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 by dawn day of the day of the day of the dead is it day of the dead Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead. I think it's Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> See, this is why, you know, I'm getting, getting too old for this. 
Um, but but Robert Rodriguez, <laughs> I love him from Spy Kids. Actually, I'll, I'll be quite honest. Spy Kids, like the first one, is like a great <laughs> film that I love of his. Uh, it's dumb. It's dumb. It's dumb. It's dumb fun. But I like it. Um, yeah, so he came in at the last second to direct that episode. They had had somebody else uh, uh, lined up, and it's actually one of the best because it takes the Mandalorian back to like that Western slash samurai. Yeah. It's a, it's a very that... Japanese. Uh, in, in style and in story, that one felt like a very much like a Japanese Western sort of thing, and it, and you had the perfect setup with the bounty hunter going, effectively being hired to kill the person that he's searching for. So yeah, that that was a really I really well, and the martial episode. arts involved, um, uh-huh. the 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 sort of like. She wasn't the governess, but she was some some kind of leader figure, but worked for the Empire. She had this, like, spear of pure Beskar that was her weapon. And then uh, Ahsoka came in with her dual lightsaber shit, and they were going on. Because, you know, I didn't realize this, I guess, until The Mandalorian, that Beskar can deflect uh, the lightsabers. Um, yeah. And, and they deflect laser blasts or whatever. So, like, seeing... Star Wars and the martial arts communities in a, in a really direct way combined. It was really powerful and really cool. So I think that was like my favorite episode. Um, then we haven't gotten to like the crazy Star Wars lore. Uh, they bring in fucking Boba Fett, like answering this mm-hmm. ambiguity that has been around for since the return of the Jedi, um, whether or not he survived and doing it with the actor uh oh gosh what's his name tetsuo is it is he hold on i can pull this up um uh the guy who played jango fett in the the prequels uh because boba is a clone of jango which familiar the prequels you know this uh getting um him in there to play boba fett and then the actor actually the original actor who just played who played boba in the in the in the original movies just just passed away just passed away um was such a cool like kind of uh redeeming i think in some ways of the prequels um keeping them relevant but making it like kind of like oh okay this is cool um and then getting boba fett like back into his groove getting his armor back getting it all buffed and cleaned up looking like fucking brand new oh yeah oh though the dent's still there there's still a dent which is funny fresh fresh to death um and i love the fact that they they kept me when i was oh my so god that, i was to gonna say her. that yeah, yeah, because that was my only like sad part about season one was that I loved her character, and then they killed her, and it was like, oh, she could have been so much more in this, and then they they teased Boba Fett in the opener with Timothy yeah. Oliphant and coming in wearing the Boba Fett armor, and you're like, oh, okay, whatever, whatever, and then they pull that, yeah, you know, and bring Boba Fett and bring Ming Na Wen, and it just yeah. Yeah. Um, Te- uh, Tamura Morrison is the actor. Yeah, I think he's like Australian or New Zealand. He's got like that, you know, that accent, uh, those accents. But uh, he's awesome. And yeah, Ming- yes, Ming- he's from New Zealand. Ming Na Wen, uh, if you're not familiar, if you haven't watched Agents of Shield, you we've talked about it to death. Uh, she, one of the best she's parts the, of that. She's the only actress, and I will I will say this till I till I die. She's the only actress to have been in a Marvel property. A, she played Mulan, yep. so she was the Disney princess. She was the voice of Mulan, and she is now in a Star Wars property. So she is she has hit the Disney trifecta. Is, whatever the term, there needs to be a term for that, right? I know. Um, right? So all of this is great. 
uh, going and into she the was last... also Chun Li. I know it's not Disney, uh, but still, she was oh fucking Chun Li. It's, re- it's relevant. That's and right. she was in the new Mulan as well, so oh, right. she's still in that property as well. Um, I, I, um, I, the ending, the last episode, the way it all culminates. We did talk about this, and I, I would say at this point we should get into that. So if you don't want to be spoiled, please like skip ahead. Like, I don't know, five minutes probably is enough. Uh, because <laughs> you, you don't want to find this out. You, you, you want to find this out by watching. You don't want to find this out by All right, so spoiler alert. I mean, by the time this day comes out, it'll have been a week. But we're giving you... We don't normally do this, but we're giving you sufficient spoiler warning time. So if you do not want to be spoiled, if a week has gone by and you have managed <laughs> to not be spoiled, you have stayed off the internet, yeah. you have done your damnedest... You probably shouldn't be listening to podcasts if you've cut off <laughs> you the entire are, internet so you, you don't spoil a the Mandalorian. Game, my friend. You are playing a very dangerous. You're playing Russian roulette. The luckiest person take, in the world. I mean, take the bullets out of the gun I, and finish that episode. <laughs> but we are now going to talk about what happens with Grogu and the end of this episode. So there is a whole thing going on where they basically invade a ship. With uh, is it Moff Gideon? And you know, to rescue Grogu, he's been taken by the 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 dark troopers, which are some kind of weird in his teeny tiny handcuffs. <laughs> oh, he does. And oh, we didn't even mention this before this last episode. He does get a great moment where he like goes full on like crazy force oh, powers and like force rage, and he's just tossing people against tosses the wall. Tosses the stormtroopers around like the ragdolls. It was great. Um. But yeah, and so then has to take a nap because he's tired. Where's the mount? So so they invade the ship. It's the whole team. They they bring back the uh, Bo-Katan, Bo-Katan, whatever, and her her Mandalorians. They've got Boba Fett, uh, uh, Fennec. They've got the the that the thick crazy Republican. Uh, sorry, Republic trooper. <laughs> uh, they've got all the whole team together. <laughs> Surprised I didn't bring Carl Weathers. It still makes me sad because she was an American gladiator, and it makes me so sad. That's right. That explains her. And she was Angel Dust. Yep. What's that from? Deadpool. She was Angel Dust in Deadpool. In Deadpool, yeah. Oh, wow. Forgot about that. So, uh, yeah. So, she... uh, She's... uh, Anyway, so she's there. Uh, They rescue Grogu. Right, obviously. Boca, uh, or, uh, our, our Mandalorian guy, he gets the Darksaber, and I guess there's this whole thing where you have to win it, you can't just hand it to somebody. So now, because it, it means he's the leader of everything, he gets to be the leader of the Mandalorians, which is what Bo-Katan wanted, all this, whatever, doesn't matter. Uh, it's all future fodder for other stuff. What's the spoiler is that, oh my god, at the end, when the, the Dark Trooper, or whatever the fuck those dumb robots are, uh, a Jedi shows up in an X-Wing, you don't see his face, but you see a green lightsaber, He's being a badass, like destroying all these troopers. He's just uh, cutting his way through everything. Uh, that, that's and that scene where he's walking down that hallway and he's just laying waste. You do realize that is a one hundred percent callback to that scene, the ending scene at Rogue yep, One with Vader, with Vader and Vader just laying waste to everybody in the hallway. And I and I, it was so funny because when it shows him from behind and his lightsaber strikes, I was like. Holy shit! I was I was just sitting there like, I don't know how I feel about this because I have I have very strong feelings about. I I me. liked it because it gave yeah. Luke a moment. Oh, so it's Luke Skywalker. Spoiler. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it gave him a moment 
that he didn't really get, even in the new films, as this badass young Jedi. Because we only ever yeah. see in the original movies him kind of learning the Force and learning to be a Jedi. And then we jump ahead to he's wise old crazy hermit drinking the green milk and about you know. re- reminiscing about possibly killing his nephew like yeah yeah right <laughs> like like you well, do. he has a very zen ending in in the last Jedi, but whatever doesn't matter uh shows up and he is actually deep so and this is what i had to read about i'm trying to find the, the actor who played him it, it was mark hamill to a point but it was actually the physical like person that played the the scene was uh, Max Lloyd-Jones. And uh, it's interesting because you look at him out of context and he doesn't even look at all like, you know, Mark Hamill, really. I guess a little bit, maybe. But but the way they made him up, and I think they did some CG to kind of round off the corners or whatever. It, yeah. it's, it's, it's No, they put, they put Mark Hamill's face on okay, him. Okay, okay. So they did, because he looks... Yeah, no, they straight okay. out CGI'd him onto... Yeah. Uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber. It's impressive. It's not perfect. There's a little bit of like <laughs> deep fake Tron uh, legacy kind of moments when you're like, yeah, ah, voice is kind of light. It's 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 a little weird, but he doesn't say a lot either. Um, and of course, you know, he says but it today, is, and but it's Mark Hamill's voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's impressive too, because Mark Hamill now, yeah, sounds nothing like Mark Hamill did <laughs> in, in the classic Star Wars. Mark, no, Mark so they, now they, I mean, they had a seat. Sounds like. The Joker from Arkham, from like Arkham City, <laughs> like he's he's definitely got a gruff voice now. Um, well, but didn't yeah. he voice the Joker at one point? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, he voiced the he, he voiced the Joker yeah, for years. He's like the he's the most yeah. known joy uh, voice of the Joker now from so many. Yeah. Um, anyway, I only know that because when the the orange dipwad in the uh, Oval Office first took uh, took over, uh, Mark Hamill read was reading tweets in the Joker's voice. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, but so... They, it... they CGI'd Mark Hamill's voice and his face onto Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> Andrew Lloyd Webber. It's, it's <laughs> I'm going to say the joke again until it goes through. <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine Andrew Lloyd Webber now doing that scene. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. As Sarah Brightman's there. As, As the Padawan. Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> Um, I was just I was imagining it more in a cat's uh, motif, but that's just with or without CG buttholes, though. With, with the CGI CG, buttholes, no, it'd be, it'd be the same Starlight picture. Express, more likely. <gasps> oh my god, <laughs> is Ryan Murphy gonna reinvent that soon? Because I feel like that's what that's what that's on his list. Um, it's amazing moment. And why hasn't Xanadu been made sorry, into sorry. a Netflix we're talking movie? Talk about roller Xanadu the, the musical. <laughs> Y'all should know. You mentioned you mentioned roller skates. I'm going to Xanadu the musical. That's just how it is. So, but seriously, how much fun would that be as a Netflix movie? Come on, Ryan Murphy. Just saying, you're doing everything else. Come on, make it happen. Um, I think it is a sad. I mean, it's, it's sad and good. Like obviously, Grogu survives. He t- Luke takes him to train. You get a little R two D two talking to Grogu moment. That was beautiful. oh, that was super sweet. Um, so so we have to address this one little tidbit that I thought was fantastic because you've got Moff Gideon taken alive. He's tried to kill himself. He has tried to get uh, Bo-Katan to like go rage on the Mandalorian over the Darksaber. He's sitting there like, as long as I'm alive, I'm going to make these puppets dance. And then when that X-Wing pulls in, his face goes to this like, 
what? Like, he... Like, the the idea that he didn't have a plan and that exact moment was delicious. It's a good act. Where, he, yeah, it's a, where he's just like... Uh-oh. It's a good beat. No, you're right. And Giancarlo is yes. such a great actor that, like, you get a lot of that nuance even when you get the, the, the scene chewing. Um, and I'm so glad he didn't die because I, I want him in season three Right, so, so this bad. is what's interesting. So, so you know, you get a little... Jin Dazari takes his helmet off again, which, you know, that's become now a thing, even though it's not the way he's trying to, like, you know, have these moments and be a little more, like, compassionate. And he's obviously softening because of Grogu. So he has this, well, and that was... you know, drawn out moment where he's, like, you know, shedding a, a tear and he's almost a little bit of, like, go on, boy, go home, go, get out of here. It was it was a little <laughs> tropey. There's a... Red, red dawning. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but it was still touching. But that was... But that and that was the thing is I'm very interested to see. But you see, because Bo Katan is kind of like, I the best way I can can state it is that she is very much in the Mandalorian culture, but she's like agnostic Mandalorian culture, whereas Mando has been kind of brought up in the it's like, like a cultish die, little offshoot, die hard, yeah. like you did, like. Like he's he's Catholic and she's Baptist. It's like, like she's so Scientologist. He's like Sea Org. I mean, it's 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 yeah. Uh, yeah sorry, I've been listening to a lot <laughs> so, of Scientology podcasts. <laughs> but no, but that but that's that's super interesting in the fact that it twice in this season, I was thinking it was once in the last season, but twice in this season he's had to remove his mask. Yeah, yeah the episode with actually... Bill Burr uh, as that uh, I forgot the character's name, but like they had to infiltrate Holy the thing. Shit. That was actually another that really was... good episode that they yeah. really put the Mandalorian into this position where he had his only choice, and he made it work. And even though he didn't like it, it, it sort of taught him a lesson that you know you do what you have to do to survive and to fulfill the mission, and sometimes that means going against your your code and your upbringing. Um, so to speak. Anyway, so yeah, the future. The big thing about that isn't, I don't think, I don't think, is that it's about completing the mission. It's about doing what's best for who you love. It's it's going away from being a devout follower of this is the way into the only way I can get my kid back is to take my helmet off in front of these people. And then when uh, he did it on the ship, it wasn't because of anything other than Grogu reached up for his face and basically he got that feel of like he needed to look him in the eye. That's the reason why, you know, it was yeah. a matter of his love for his child superseded every other aspect of what he has been made to believe. Yeah. So his arc yeah. completed in, I can do this. And I can do. I don't have to be so devout. In this is the only way that it can be done. Yeah. Because it took him to this whole different, you know, realm of I need to be able to do something to save this person that I I love. You know, my child. No, and I then, think you're you know, right. For yeah, him I... to when, uh, yeah, it, it gave him that. It gave him that two season growth yeah. arc to then propel him into doing different things for the remainder of whatever length of the, the, the show runs. Um, I, I totally agree. I think that's, that's, that's his arc. Now, what's interesting is that ends in some ways, this story, not permanently, but I feel like, especially with the epilogue where basically, uh, so that's a whole other thing, right? So the book of Boba Fett, 
uh, is what they uh, they've announced oh, at the end of this. Shit. And what's unclear, and I think there's some debate, is whether or not that epilogue sets up season three as being about Boba Fett or as being some mix of the two, or it's just it's another yet another series. That's unclear. Well, it's definitely it's definitely a consequence. Yeah. It's it's you have Boba Fett. I mean, we don't we don't actually know what's really happened to the organized crime. So since let's set it up. Jabba's been right. Gone. So let's set it up. So you get a shot of ta- uh, of Tatooine, uh, specifically Jabba's palace, and this is in the current time, right? They didn't they do a flashback or anything. And Bib Fortuna, who if you remember, Return of the Jedi is the got like the what is he a Twi'lek or whatever he's got the the white uh, little neck thing whatever that is the, yep, the, and the he's got teeth. the Mitch McConnell he's like Mitch McConnell yeah um and he's sitting there all fat and happy as the new fet the new hut the new hut sorry not new fat new hut um and you know Boba Fett comes in and Fennec uh they basically both come in and they just like kill him they just they just kill him uh they free the slave girl of course you got to do that right um, and Boba sits on the throne of the hut, and then I'm sitting there yelling at the screen, oh my god, they need to call this Boba the Hut. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's stupid, I know, but whatever. <laughs> Boba the Hut. And, and that's, it, it's a great, it's a, it's probably one of the most iconic moments I, I've seen in that show. Just the way the scene is constructed, the, the, the visual. He's just sitting right on that throne, and, it sets him up as the new crime lord. So yeah, uh, BJ, I think you're right. I think it's going to be interesting to see if that's sort of the angle now. If he's this crime and lord, and and we've got and we've got Finnick just walking right over to the liquor. Oh my god! Oh my I'm god! Walking to buy him. Yes, it's it's that. It, it, but no, yeah. So I I like so you've got this. So you, so we've got so the setup we've got so far. Grogu has officially left to go train. Um. I so Goguru either has officially left to go train or is now continuing his quest to find his home uh, with Luke. We've got um, the marshal. I can't remember her name, uh, but we've got the marshal who's delivering Moff Gideon to the New Republic. We have Moff Gideon who took. Um, uh, we have Moff Gideon who took the um, Grogu's blood. We don't. We still don't know what they were doing with it. We don't know if they were cloning. We we still we didn't really get a super good look at the experiments um, that were failures. Uh, so we don't know where he sent that blood sample to. We don't know if it was on the ship or if he sent it to where it was supposed to go for the research to continue. Um, and now we've got Mando and Bo Katan now in this kind of weird stalemate where she wants Mandalore to come back. And she believes she can bring it back, but now there's this there's this rigidity. It's like reverse rigidity. He had rigidity with not taking off his mask and keeping the old ways, but she has a rigidity with winning that in combat. There's no exception. There's right. no way he can't yield. They have to fight. So we're gonna find out if they do ever yeah. fight. And is he gonna step up and try? Is he gonna is he gonna go with her because she's invited him before? Yeah. To help, uh, bring so so I guess the point is with all these different characters and this this ending to the season, they've set up a world of possibilities and storylines that these various shows, other than the Acolyte, of course, and maybe a few of the other older ones, like, but all of the shows in this timeline are going to get to explore. So I think successful overall to set up what is to come. 
as an episode, that final episode, I did think it was a little boring because I sat there and was like waiting. And I think that was meant to build like tension. But there were certainly moments where I'm like, oh, my God, if you cut back to them sitting there with their fucking blasters watching the door <laughs> and if you do that one more fucking time, like it was just it was gratuitous. But obviously, as what came from it, like, you know, what happened after it made sense to have that build up. But it, anyway, all I'm saying is it, it didn't it didn't. That was the part that took me out of it a little bit. But yeah, overall, great end of the season. Great end of the, uh, that episode. And um, I'm excited for more Star Wars. Nice. That is the Mandalorian season two is now concluded. All episodes are streaming on Disney Plus. Season three will return Christmas 2021. So the season will be a little bit later than uh, the first two were, but we'll get it for our Christmas present next year. Dear listeners, if you are enjoying this or any of the other content that we put out on Flame On or through our parent organization, Omniverse and the Nerdy Show Network, uh, then go check us out online. Our website is flameonshow.com. From there, you can link to all of our social media. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all those fun things. Uh, Brian does our Rainbow Spotlight interviews. I had uh, the chance to join him for one that just uh, went up uh last monday i'm trying to remember this past what, okay, monday so this yeah. at the that's when you oh, hear this it'll be yeah. two mondays ago <laughs> <laughs> i have to, i'm trying to i'm trying to find my space myself in space and time right now um where we chatted with terry bloss uh about his uh comic work uh his uh writing and uh, and then I chatted with him about uh, Drag Race because, you know, that's what I do on, <laughs> on these shows. <laughs> um, but you can check those out on our YouTube channel uh, as well as uh, Instagram. And uh, I believe there's one last one coming up with Dave uh, Ebersol. Yeah, so the last one we had was about Queer Japan. Uh, and then uh, the upcoming one is Dave Ebersol. And then we're taking a little break, but in January I've got it like, Two or three guests already lined up, so we'll be hitting it hard. Monday is at 6 p.m. Gotcha. So by the time Monday is 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, the Dave Abersol one will be up for your viewing pleasure by the time this episode comes out. Uh, and then I'll be taking a little bit of a break. But uh, you can check all of that stuff out on our YouTube channel. Like I said, you can also uh, find it on or tune in to Brian's Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash curlingbear. Um, Eric needs to start gaming online on his Twitch channel, uh, twitch.tv forward slash Jen, G-E-N-E-R-I-K, generic underscore games. Get on that shit, bitch. The, the branding is too good to just sit there. Uh, <laughs> and then I do uh, digital game night. We only have a couple left for the year, and then we are going to be taking a bit of a hiatus. I don't know how long that'll be, but those are Wednesday nights right now. Uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, 6 p.m. Pacific on my Twitch channel, twitch.tv forward slash bears in the city. Uh, our Patreon subscribers, we just uploaded a bunch, a whole bunch of a sip of tea with oral to get us caught up on those backlogged uh, episodes. We have uh, some micro micros that are in the planning process, and we're going to get those recorded soon and start getting those caught up. We are going to be pausing our subscriptions for our current Patreon subscribers uh, for a month or two while we get caught up and kind of get everything reorganized for 2021. 
Um, but if you want to join, you can go to uh, patreon.com forward slash flame on show. You can join as a patron. Uh, it'll be a one time fee for right now because you'll get access to all of our previous content and you'll be able to access that whenever you would like. And then when we re- resume our uh, Patreon, then you'll, you know, join in with the, the monthly subscription. But with that being said, I was uh, really bad about not getting this uh, shout out done in our November roundup. I know I did it on our last micro, but I want to make sure that he gets the proper uh, shout out on the proper episode. So Sean T. Red, Sean Red is uh, our newest uh, Patreon subscriber. So I want to give a big shout out to you. Thanks for joining us on Patreon, Sean. And we hope that you are uh, enjoying the exclusive content that you were getting there. And uh, thank you for being a listener and supporter of our show. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. All right. So my topic for the month of December 2020 is a a new unknown artist. Um, She hasn't put out much music ever. Um... Just, you know, she's she's a skinny, skinny legend who just popped out of nowhere. And I don't think many people know who she is. Um, Her name is Mariah Carey. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All right, fine. 30 year, 30 year uh, amazing diva. 15 albums, uh, 19 number one hits. The uh, unabashed queen of Christmas. Best selling author. Is that movie Glitter? best-selling author uh <laughs> actor extraordinaire from the movie glitter you are right bj um cookie uh, purveyor <laughs> purveyor of sweet delicious cookies evidently i love oh, it yeah, that's right. i love it i i want some of mariah's cookies um get those cookies uh, and that's what i wish i had vanjie saying that on my soundboard i could just hit the button <laughs> Uh, but the unabashed queen of Christmas, Mariah Carey, uh, partnered with Apple TV Plus to put together Mariah Carey's Magical Christmas Spectacular, an Apple TV Plus exclusive event extravaganza, uh, CGI explosion with such celebrities as uh, Billy Eichner, Tiffany Haddish, uh, Jermaine Dupri, Snoop Dogg. Jennifer Hudson and Ariana Grande. 
uh, Ariana still has not taken any diction lessons because in their, uh, their, I don't even want to call it a duet. Is it a trio? What do you call a song with three people in it? A group ensemble number? <laughs> uh, uh, it's a trio. Yeah. It, a trio. Yeah, it's, it's, in there. It's, so it's a duo trio quartet. I know, but I'm so used to saying like duet, you know, Mariah's oh, yeah. duet with, you know, this person. I just figured she couldn't stand more than one one other person. Grammys call it a duet or group. It's it's her ensemble, her ensemble <laughs> number. Uh, <laughs> it was a production number. It was a it was the uh, it was the the end of the uh, Footlight Player show. Uh, it was a it was a production piece. Uh, but they re uh, re recorded Mariah's Oh Santa uh, throwback to her. I believe it was released in twenty ten. I think it was 2010. Off of Merry, yeah, Merry Christmas to you. Uh, the follow-up to the 1994 Merry Christmas. Uh, but they, re- they re-recorded it as uh, with all three of them. And honestly, they also released a lyric video, which I'm pretty sure I would have to watch and still not be able to find all of the words that Ariana sang during that. Um, <laughs> rain, rain, I'm just, on, I'm just on me. <laughs> I'm sorry, the, the video hear, of uh I can't hear that song without hearing bacon and eggs. I can't Oh god I'm so fucking grateful for my eggs. Bacon eggs. Bacon eggs. Bacon eggs. <laughs> Uh, sorry, that popped up on my Facebook a couple of days ago when uh, I shared I that I video, <laughs> that TikTok that. video. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah, you know it happens, but oh, um, quelling the the longstanding uh, rumors and fan conjecture that Mariah does not like Ariana Grande, uh, they were all a part of this uh, this production piece during the show, where it uh, it's a magical journey. Of Mariah saving Christmas by bringing the spirit back to everybody by having a concert at the North Pole and uh, helping Santa save Christmas and be able to find everybody's homes because the spirit was so taken away from us by this year that people didn't want to decorate and light up their homes with Christmas joy and lights um, that Santa wouldn't be able to find people's houses because it was so dark. (laughs) So... Uh, Billy Eichner as uh, Santa's lead elf and the only falsetto uh, that's out of the the Gumdrop Mountains um, (laughs) calls upon the Queen of Christmas on her, uh, essentially her pink bedazzled Mariah phone. Uh, And I, it's, it's ridiculous and it's adorable and it's so CGI. It's It's like, I can't even wrap my head around the lack of money spent on the cgi (laughs) because it's so blatant and i mean granted it was all filmed during you know during lockdowns and and i get it i get it but a little bit more money maybe just into smoothing out some of that green screen technology it's almost as bad as the green screen of this picture behind me on the virtual oh no you know what's bad is is the green screen they used either the green screen they used in once upon a time or the green screen they used in uh, that Michael Jackson music video, Blood on the Dance Floor. That one was pretty fantastically bad. Or 
or the green screen behind Odin in um in the Thor movie. Which one was oh. it that uh uh where he was in like Utah or I don't know Oregon something like that. But yeah, where that that was all really bad. Oh, or when Diana Ragnarok? jumps off the cliff in Wonder Woman. You talking about Ragnarok? Oh, Ragnarok. That's yeah. the movie. And it was like yeah. Maine or some seaside. <laughs> it was. I was. It was like. It was like Scotland or. I it was weird. No, it was. It was supposed Maybe. to be Norway. Oh, was it? okay. Norway. Yeah. Oh, something like that. I just know he was sitting by a cliff, and it was just the worst CGI background. Yeah. Um, but it it's adorable. Um, it hit me so much harder than I expected it to right out of the gates because. Basically, it's kind of <laughs> it's set in her in her you know uh, lush ap- apartment home, and um, she is with her kids rock and row, and there is this ladder, and the cuts that they do, it's so that she doesn't have to be shown doing much work of anything. So she's walking to the tree, and then the next cut, she's like basically levitating next to it. Because they put, like, a box for her to stand on as she's by the star. And then the kids plug it in and, you know, this whole thing. But there's this little girl who is not one of her children. But is, I'm assuming, supposed to be this representation of her as a child. And she asks why... Oh, God, I'm getting choked up about it. I didn't think I'd get choked up about a Mariah Carey Christmas special on Apple TV, but she kind of she I asked mean, her like why she's upset. I, <laughs> I mean, it probably <laughs> I should have expected it, but not for this reason. <laughs> um, but if you are if if I've been a fan of Mariah Carey for thirty years at this point, it's ridiculous. You know, uh, the majority of my life I've been a fan of hers, but you know that she came from humble beginnings you know uh, a very modest um upbringing and she asks the girl who's playing the younger her like why you know why she doesn't have cheer and you know or like how was her christmas last year and she talks about how they didn't you know they didn't have a tree and they didn't celebrate and it just absolutely wrecked me as it's doing right now because of just how crazy this year has been and I did not expect that at all. I did not expect it to hit that deep right off the get-go. And it did. <laughs> and good on her for for really kind of just opening herself up to express that. And I think that really kind of ties into having released her memoir and really just kind of playing the... Um, really playing into her getting her mental health under control over the last few years and and really kind of um being a bit more open about all of that so it it was impressive um the props have to be given to um the fact that their costuming designers were on point for this shit I don't know if you've seen any of the outfits that she wore throughout it, but pretty much every scene, there is a new ensemble that she is <laughs> rocking. And uh, she just snatched for the gods, skinny legend that she is, move over uh, Miss Tracy Martell. The original skinny legend is uh, is here for her crown back. 
but she does um she does some of the quintessential Christmas numbers from uh, Merry Christmas. I don't know if uh, if the rest of them were on Merry Christmas to you. That's probably I'm probably a bad Mariah fan, but I don't really listen to Merry Christmas to you all that much during the holidays. <laughs> uh, for me, it was not a quintessential follow up album to that. I do own it. I did uh, support that, but it, it it didn't have the same impact as her first uh, Christmas album did for me. Um, but she does. Uh, oh Holy Night, which is one of the ones that I always make sure I listen to during the holidays. Um, just this past Monday, I put my decorations up on the tree and uh, made sure that the first thing I played was All I Want for Christmas is You. And then doubled back and, you know, I, I made sure that I listened to uh, Oh Holy Night. Actually, I'm sorry. I think that comes right after. And then um, my favorite from the album, which is not All I Want for Christmas is You, to be completely honest, uh, it's miss you most at Christmas time, um, and then went into you know bare naked ladies, uh, bare naked for the holidays, and, and some other. I uh, played Carly Rae Jepsen. Uh, it's not Christmas till somebody cries <laughs> because you know it. Well, no, the funny part is it's not even like to be a sad song. It's yeah. it's really talking about you know everybody uh, and all of their uh, all the craziness at the holidays and something. Somebody always getting upset, but. Uh, but it was it was a fantastic mix of everything. But in this, uh, during the the special, she does "Joy to the World," and she's in this rhinestone top with this big tulle um, uh, gown, which is on the virtual background that I'm using right now. And then uh, Billy that, right? Billy Eichner's, I I was. Is it sad that I thought, ooh? I totally could. I totally would have that done for a drag number, um, because I mean the hair. For fuck's sake, like the hair, the outfit, the whole thing is just absolutely gorgeous. But then uh, Billy Eichner's character hits the emergency shutoff power button, uh, you know, for everything. So then it goes into this whole like um, heartfelt. Uh, even in the dark, you know, you can find light, and there's you know, candles, and she sings "Silent Night." And they take the tool off of the dress, and it is a gorgeous, fully stoned mermaid dress with the little floof at the bottom. Just, uh, I, you know, I've reached that level of homosexual when I'm watching a Mariah Carey Christmas special, and I'm just sitting there going, God damn, that dress is gorgeous. Her hair is on point. Can I get that recreated for a drag number? Uh, but it was fantastic. I, I I don't think anybody else on the panel here has uh, watched the Mariah Carey's uh, Magical Christmas Spectacular, have you? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I figured I would be the only one, but I did, I did want to share my love of it. I did listen to almost all of my Mariah Carey uh, All I Want for Christmas is You parodies. Um, so all I want... <laughs> All I want for Christmas is cash. Is probably is is what I start with, and then I go to the video that Eric sent me last year of a woman just singing the like alto part, alto parts, <laughs> all the alto part, and like that right there gets me in the holiday mood. And let me tell you, I'm in tears for at least twenty minutes um, um, during that. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and. Uh... <laughs> Well, 
So I mean, you'd is... have to also then throw in the goth kids dancing to it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but then speaking of parodies, after I finished my Mariah uh, Merry Christmas section, I did go into my favorite uh, parody, which is All I Want for Christmas is Nudes by Trixie Mattel. <laughs> That's, I mean, it's a, it's a staple, you know, the, the Trixie Mattel Christmas EP, uh, was definitely a, a, a much needed, you know, segue from that into, uh, from Mariah to Trixie to, to Carly Rae Jepsen to Bare Naked Ladies. That's pretty much how I went. And then I gave myself a nice little cry with, um, the version of Old Lang Syne by, uh, I think it's Miri or Myrie Williams that they used in the Sex and the City movie. Cause that always gets me. That's just how I. That's how I roll. If I don't evoke uh, an emotional response and start crying at some point uh, during my holiday music selections, I've done it wrong, and that's how I live my life. Uh, the, the most emotional <laughs> I've gotten this year listening to Christmas music is Pentatonix came out with a new CD because it's Christmas, and of course they do. Um, and <laughs> Scott wrote a song with his boyfriend called Thank You, and it's just gorgeous, beautiful. And it's not a cappella. He plays piano, and they have uh, the beatboxer plays cello on it. And it's just a very beautiful song, uh, very touching about how, yeah, this year's been shit, and really all I can do and know to say is just thank you for getting me through it. And then they also do an amazing version of Amazing Grace. But yeah, that was my emotional Christmas listening. Have you gotten emotional, Brian? I don't believe in such things. Uh, no. <laughs> no, I. you know, it's funny with Christmas music. Like, I don't listen to it much. Um, and when I do, I think I get a little, but not, I don't know. It doesn't, very little of it has that profoundly deep emotional i think it's because i used to play a lot of it and when i was in church in the singing christmas tree back in west palm beach uh it just like it all just got so too just so familiar and too 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 common i don't know that i'm a cold heartless person which is also probably true so for me it's it's funny i don't there is one christmas album in my life that i've listened to that was a staple since I was in high school, and back when I was in high, I went to high school in Atlanta, and there was a radio station called 99X, and every year they would invite random um, music artists, either ones that were popular at the time, and they would have them record like a 10 CD Christmas album. And there is one, I need to, I'm going to try and find the CD I burned it on because that's how long ago this was. But there's a song on there that's just about, it's it's not really depressing, but it's just like about people having hard times and how the holidays doesn't really fix that. But I'm just going to tell you Merry Christmas anyway and just hope we don't die this year. So it's, it, and then there's like a, there's a 12 Days of Christmas by, um, um, shit, who's that? They're, they're like, there's. There's just all these little songs that you can't find anywhere. They were only released in that CD, that music session. And it's a very, I don't want to say cynical, but it's a very, like, 
Yeah, it's Christmas. <laughs> I will say the one thing that I am I am sad about for this holiday season after moving and with everything that's gone on is this is the first Christmas season in years that I have not gotten to see Addison Taylor perform the 12 drinks of Christmas. And that is a goddamn shame. Absolutely. 100%. I need to figure out a way. I need her to like perform it somewhere, have somebody record it and then upload it so I can make my holiday complete by watching Addison Taylor do the 12 drinks of Christmas. <laughs> the things you don't realize you miss until you don't have them. Uh, but yeah, so if you have Apple TV+, Plus, if you are a Mariah Carey fan, uh, if one or both of those are, are true or one of those is missing, uh, go get yourself a seven-day free trial to Apple TV+, Plus, like I did, and uh, go check it out. It's cute. It's fun. Uh, and, you know... I, it's a little festive holidayness, and the, my my biggest takeaway from it is, you know that you are special to Mariah, but not that special yet. When you are dating her, have been dating her, but you are not featured in the family scenes, but you are the first toy soldier backup dancer that dances right behind her. Sorry, sorry, Tanaka. That's just that. That's how it goes. Uh, I mean, I guess it keeps its timelessness, <laughs> so that way, <laughs> you know, that's just how it is. But uh, I'm sure he, I'm sure he got a a large paycheck for being, you know, toy soldier number one <laughs> in the credits. Ah, uh, so that's Mariah Carey's Magical Christmas Spectacular on Apple Plus TV. That wraps our uh, our 2020. Uh, December pop culture items. So we are going to roll into our one-ups. After our one-ups, we're going to just close out the year by uh, just giving a quick uh, shout-out to the thing of uh, 2020 that we appreciate the most. Uh, We don't have to go into any long diatribes about it because a lot of the things we've talked about already on these shows. Um, But... You know, what would a, a year-end show be without giving a little shout-out to the thing that uh, we found to be our best thing of 2020? So, one-ups. Eric, why don't you take us away with your one-up for the month of December? Originally, my one-up was going to be the season of gay Christmas movies, which there's been four released this year. Uh, happiest season on Christmas House on Hallmark, Christmas Setup on Lifetime, Dashing in December on Paramount Network. But uh, my real one-up is going to be the Ratatouille musical on TikTok. Um, oh my god! They are actually producing as a fundraiser that is going to air on January 1st. Are you serious? I'm serious. So, if you're not familiar ah. with this as a thing, TikTok has the duet feature, which I don't even have a TikTok account. I've just seen this all over the rest of the internet uh, virally. Um, But they have the duet feature, so they'll have somebody records themselves singing or playing some music, and then you can basically karaoke yourself on the other side of the screen. Yeah, you can add words, or or, uh, they've had hip-hop, they've had people that do hip-hop music, have somebody else do like a, a track on it too. Yes. 
So originally this TikToker named Emily Jacobson uh, just put out this random song she had written about um, Remy the Rat from Ratatouille. And um, a composer named Daniel Mertzluft, who had previously over the summer gone viral with his grocery store musical that had blown up uh, the TikTok duet thing. Um, basically rearranged it, added more vocals and instruments, and put it out there. And TikTok went crazy for it. People were writing the rest of the songs for the show, basically. somebody, Some graphic designer put out a playbill for Ratatouille Musical. Yep. Um, costume designers are designing outfits for it. People are choreographing the numbers. Set designers are... Um, designing sets and figuring out how to deal with the whole rat-human ratio thing. Is it going to be puppetry? Is it going to be um, shadows? Is it... It's gone crazy. And Disney has actually given their blessing on all this, saying... And I don't know how they could not at this point. They can't stop it. Some, um, some of the songs are so good. Yeah. It's... It's crazy. Um, but the fact that uh, Broadway, because they got nothing else to do right now, really, um, they're embracing the whole thing <laughs> and bringing all these TikTok creators together to produce a TikTok show that's going to be on January 1st. And you can actually, um, it's a fundraiser, so it's kind of a contribute what you can. Tickets start at $5. And I would just recommend people go and see it. Just, it's just crazy. It's just, I don't know. It's a good thing to come out of 2020. I think it's it's so very 2020. But that's what's giving me life, right? Nice, awesome. So, Ratatouille, the TikTok musical, given Eric life here in December 2020. Brian, what is your one up? So I uh, had a great opportunity last week to interview or interview. I, we were going to have an opportunity to interview the director of this, but um, uh, we got to get an early release copy of Queer Japan, uh, oh, so a good. documentary from uh, Altered Innocence uh, production company directed by Graham Colbins. Uh, it is delightful. It, it is about uh, a little over an hour and a half of just stories of queer uh artists and uh, performers and just everyday people in Japan. Um, and I originally had some, you know, thoughts on it. And you know, so, so BJ and I watched it and we did a, we did a, about an hour uh, and part of the rainbow spotlight series we've been doing. Uh, so that's up on our, on our Facebook and our YouTube channels. Um, and it sounds like I might be interviewing the director uh, after all, though, maybe not until next year. Uh, so yeah, if you have a chance, Queer Japan is, it's on all the video streaming platforms. Uh, you'll learn so much, even if you already have been to Japan, even if you know a little bit about the queer culture, I guarantee you're going to learn some interesting stuff about the history of, uh, homosexuality and, uh, gender and sexuality in general, uh, and specifically, uh, transgender, um, the history in the Edo period, but also, you know, into the modern struggles, some of the issues that they have even today with their legis uh, legislature, uh, you know, how you how you get your gender marker changed and or how you live 
Uh, so lots of really interesting and 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 and, and mostly uplifting uh, material there, and and beautifully shot. It's just it's it's a feast. And BJ, I know you really enjoyed it as well, right? I I thought it was fantastic. It was absolutely fantastic. I can't. I've been uh I've been kind of throwing the trailer at everybody I know, yeah. um, if in case it's not on their radar. Um, and I believe did we? I I believe. You posted a trailer for it before we did our review, but um, I'll I'll toss that back up on our social. Yeah, media. we should definitely ban, uh, you know, increase our bandwidth. Um, uh, yeah, so that's just, that's what's giving me a lot of queer Japan. Nice, the documentary Queer Japan, giving Brian life here in December 2020. BJ, what say you? What's your one up? Uh, so uh, over the past year. Two or three years, um, I know I've mentioned uh, Has Been Hotel, uh, created by, uh, I believe, uh, Vivian uh, Moreno. Um, what is it? Yeah, Vivian, um, Vivian uh, Medrano. M-E-D-R-A-O. Not Vivian Panay? No. <laughs> um, and so she got <laughs> signed... She got signed to A23 after her pilot for Hasbin Hotel kind of took off. Um, well, in the meantime, she has been working on a, a kind of a sister series, uh, more comedic, um, called Hell of a Boss. Uh, the pilot's up on, uh, up on YouTube, and she has actually been dropping episodes for the first season. Uh, they're up to two episodes, um, and... The voice cast, you've got uh, Richard Horvitz, who played Invader Zim, uh, and you've got Brandon Rogers, who does all of those really fucked up uh, skits online. If you haven't if you haven't heard of Brandon Rogers, if you Google him, you will know exactly who he is. Um, and then just a lot of new uh, voice uh, talent for the show. Um, but the, but she was signed to A23 for Hasbin Hotel, and she has been self-producing a hell of a boss, uh, with Richard Horvitz, uh, helping her with writing, uh, for the show. And pretty much the show, like her other show, takes place in hell, and you follow Blitz, a demon imp who runs a, uh, assassination business, uh, where they go to the living world and murder anybody who screwed you over when you were alive um so yeah so like the first episodes uh, the pilot episode's fantastic uh the the actual episode one is just as hilarious um but it's it's got a very uh richard horvitz character moxie is absolutely hilarious um i can't suggest it enough uh definitely uh knock up her uh her views on youtube uh i think the second episode got over 10 million views in under 48 hours so they she's got a fan base so it's but it's really really funny um it's free to watch um so yeah hell of a boss uh tune in onto it on youtube if you haven't and that is what's giving me life noise hell of a boss on youtube all right, so uh, I will kind of piggyback off of Eric's discarded one-up from earlier. So word came yesterday from when we were recording this, the 18th of December on Entertainment Weekly or EW.com, that the Jinx and De La Holiday special was picked up for streaming rights by Hulu here in North America. Oh, yeah. And the... 
first ever film produced by Ben de la Creme under uh, Ben de la Creme. Ben de la Creme presents uh, production company uh, would air starting yesterday on Hulu. And uh, it is still available on jinxandela.com. Uh, if you are outside of North America or if you would like to buy the special as its own film, you can go and you can purchase it or you can rent it. And uh, But if you are in the U.S., go onto Hulu and pull it up. It is an hour and five minutes, including credits, of hilarity. If you've ever seen a Jinx Monsoon show, you've ever seen a Ben de la Creme show, it has everything that you could ever want from those shows all rolled into a holiday spectacular. It was heartfelt. It was cynical. It was um, casually racist in certain points for a, for, for a reason. Um, you know, hearkening back to uh, Dela talks about how her grandmother's eggnog recipe always makes her feel in the spirit and that she can hear her voice. Uh, and it's the voice of Varla Jean Merman. Spoiler alert. Uh, Grand Nog <laughs> is uh, Varla Jean Nanog. Merman. Who uh, is a, a product. Oh, Nanog. I'm sorry. Nanog. Nanog is uh, voiced by Varla Jean. And uh, Nanog in a true elder uh, fashion is uh, casually racist, casually homophobic, casually misogynistic. Uh and done in just a spectacular way. Uh, the opening credits are hysterical in just the uh, the fact that there's uh, the naked guy in uh, Jinx's bed. And uh, then you go into, like, you know, um, four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves. And it's just ridiculous in all the best ways. It The production quality on it was fantastic uh, i know that they were kind of feeling the crunch of 2020 and not being able to go on tour not be able to produce these shows in uh, public spaces so they took their precautions and uh went into filming the special to put out for the world um they do mention the pandemic early on uh but then uh Dela quickly uh hushes that aside because she wants a timeless classic uh I, I swear to God, Jinx's first song, A Gay and a Stranger, um, a parody done to the tune of Away in a Manger, when she... <laughs> I need to read this properly because for some reason, I don't know uh, why it keeps on eluding my brain um, in the, the way it is. Um where she says the line, if a redhead bear backs you, you've been gingerbread. <laughs> I can't. That was like 20 minutes into the special, and I was done. Oh, point. man. There we go. I'm using that uh, one now. I'm, gonna, I'm texting that to somebody. <laughs> I don't care who. Somebody's getting that as a text message. But it's fantastic. These two queens are are amazingly talented. Uh, Major Scales makes an appearance in the show as well, um, who did a lot of the orchestration of the music. Uh, Bendel Creme did the majority of the writing um, and the lyrics for the songs. 
uh, that were, were utilized. And it really just drives home, again, another Christmas special where I uh, was hit with the feels, where they talk about um, how a lot of times the holidays, we look back with fondness because of the tradition, because it was how we were raised. And even when uh, you when you look back and you kind of examine it a little bit closer, you realize that they aren't always that great. But the family that we choose to surround ourselves with now, we can make those traditions and we can make those uh, festivities what we want them to be with how we choose to celebrate. And, um, you know, it, it, hit, it hit home, um, especially because a lot of uh, the things that I've done in the last, you know, 12 or so years, the traditions that I've built are with my chosen family uh, because I don't see my family and, you know, I, I, as often as I would like to. And... Um, it, it 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 hits that uplifting and, and that special place in uh in 2020 with the holidays how they are so if you have hulu uh go check out uh the jinx and de La holiday special if you would like to purchase it and support them directly i'm sure that they uh made a nice a, a nice sum of money from the uh the purchase of the streaming rights from hulu but if you would like to support them or if you're outside of uh the U.S. Or, or the North American borders of where Hulu has the streaming rights, go to jinxandela.com and you can rent or purchase uh, the film for your own library. So the Jinx and Dela holiday special is what's giving me life in the month of December 2020. So now let's do a quick round robin uh, as we close out the year 2020 with the thing that is giving us uh, the most joy and our favorite thing for 2020. BJ, why don't you regale us with your favorite thing of 2020? So uh, those of you that follow our social media uh, and those of you on our Discord uh, have probably noticed I have posted a picture of a small beagle. Um, I work (laughs) as a canine handler. Um, I can't really say where, Uh, (laughs) but... I work as a canine. I, I've runner. met a lot of those at the at the fetish events that I've uh, I've run. <laughs> oh, different different pups, different pups. <laughs> um, but uh, my uh, work dog, my first work dog ever, uh, she has retired, and her name's Jane. She is a uh, purebred beagle. She is very tiny. She's got a bit of a dwarfism uh, thing on her, but she is home. She came home. Uh, Oh, as of this recording, about a week and a half ago, um, we've been to the vet. We've gotten her um, groomed, and she is home for Christmas. So she is definitely my top thing of 2020. Woohoo! Jane is home. <laughs> Snoring All on my bed. Righty. <laughs> and just cuddled up, passed out on BJ's bed right now. Those of you Gonna listening, be very can't upset see it, when I pick adorable. her up and move her. <laughs> yeah that's always my favorite thing is uh when i when i'm not paying him any mind and uh have it gets up and goes into uh into bed and he goes and lays down on my side of the bed the king size bed now and of course you know he's got to sleep <laughs> you know right there uh right there. the best is when i wake up and he's basically underneath my armpit and i'm like there's a whole bed <laughs> but it's adorable you know how can you get mad when there's a there's an adorable puppy just curled up with you uh canine or human i mean i'm not gonna yuck on anybody's <laughs> young just saying but <laughs> but uh yeah so welcome home jane welcome to uh the podcast as uh our third pod dog i guess technically fourth 
I guess Ripley would also be a pod dog. I mean, when Josh is here for the podcast, which isn't as often as it used to be. Uh, But Jane is home. And that is uh, BJ's favorite thing of 2020. Uh, Not necessarily pop culture, but pop culture, we'll take it. Brian, what is your favorite thing of 2020? I think I have to go with uh, the rise and, uh, I don't know, spread, I guess, of, of online into real world, like cultures. Um, so with the pandemic, I mean, this is almost entirely due to the pandemic. People have had to find new ways to interact with each other uh, when they can't in person because they're being responsible and, and compassionate citizens. Uh, so, you know, whether it be Zoom, of course, because everybody uses Zoom, uh, you know, to like, you know, Zoom meetings, to like Pat's uh, Jackbox uh, game nights uh, to... Um, uh, online communities like Final Fantasy or whatever your game of your choice, Fortnite for me a lot, uh, to, to Discord because, oh my god, this year I have accumulated an insane number of Discord communities that I am a part of, including our very own, as BJ mentioned, Flame On Discord, which I think you'll be hearing more about uh, soon and getting links to if you haven't already you know, been invited to. Uh, that's going to be something we're going to try to to bring everyone in because it's just a fun mixing of people and ideas and, and and getting that without being there in person uh it's helped me keep connected to all of my friends and family back in florida uh, i'm sure pat you feel the same having that presence without you know being there has has really made this uh isolation a lot easier to deal with um it's not perfect but it's it's so much uh that you know i i feel grateful to have those tools uh, to have the rainbow spotlight. So all of this in this year of horribleness, to me, um, this, 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 this interconnection that the internet has always provided to people who sought it out to like other people who just never bothered that, that it has helped them, uh, in this, in this dark time is, is really huge for me. And, and, and it affects all of the things we talk about and all of our lives so directly. I, I could not help but mention it. In fact, I think, Pat, you and BJ uh, also had considered this as a, as a thing to put forward this year. So I think we can all agree that uh, telepresence, uh, teledildonics, I don't know, whatever you want to <laughs> call this uh, <laughs> interconnectivity that we've developed, uh, I, I hope it sustains into the, the post-COVID era. I would definitely want to keep these connections in these communities uh, thriving. Clearly, uh, it will take a back seat to in-person uh, communities that have always been uh, so important. But, uh, you know, I, I'm incredibly grateful to uh, have that this year. For sure. Oh, I, yeah, and before we started recording this, I had said uh, yesterday when I was taking Havoc for a walk, um, and I was thinking about, oh, you know, we need to talk about the things that are, you know, big for 2020. You know, Zoom and StreamYard and and all of these different ways to keep connected. Um, Microsoft Teams, you know skype it's amazing the things that that really took off and the things that we had beforehand that didn't quite grasp that same level um you know it's it's interesting to see how how things changed and and yeah it'll be nice it'll be nice to be able to get out and actually go and see people (laughs) when all of this is said and done but um especially uh with uh you know half of us on this podcast having moved uh you know, a thousand or a thousand plus miles away from uh, from a lot of the people that we are closest to, 
it definitely is nice to be able to have these these uh, ways to stay connected in today's day and age. So, uh, Eric, what is your uh, what is your pick for your favorite thing? Or are you going to pull a pat and pick a couple things? Because I'm cool with that too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't have anything kind of as as thought provoking as online. Uh forums and whatnot culture or and i didn't get a pet this year so i'm just gonna uh kind of just rattle off some of my favorite uh media from the year uh favorite tv series queen's gambit favorite movie palm springs favorite music dua lipa's future nostalgia and my favorite podcast of the year is lost culturistas wham bam thank you ma'am is flame on <laughs> Favorite podcast that I'm not a host of, Lost Culture East. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, if you want to hear Eric's thoughts on the Queen's Gambit, um, just go back a couple of episodes. I think it was actually our last uh, roundup was when you chatted about that. Yeah, I think I've talked about all those things. I was going to say, sometime during the summer, I want to say, was when Palm Springs was your uh, your topic. And then I I feel like Los Culturistas was a, a one up at some point in time, so um, I, I I can't I can't go back and mentally file through and think about what it was, but uh, but I know that you've you've given your thoughts on all of those. Um, and uh, Matt Rogers was is now a part of something recently. He's the host of HBO Max's Hot Dog uh, Dog Grooming Reality Competition Show. Oh yeah, and he was also. Oh, um, maybe that's the, what it was, and that was, was the, that was the topic the, you talked about. Yes, she was also the host of that um, the gay um, uh, game show, gay game show. Yeah, on Quibi. Uh, it was a Quibi. Yeah, and then and on then and Yang, the <laughs> other host of Lost Culturistas, is on Saturday Night Live. Yes. Yep. Um, and I always get confused when I hear Matt Rogers because I think of the former American Idol contestant. <laughs> That was like a, a reality TV show host for a hot second who, you know, BJ said it earlier. I'd eat his ass. That's, I mean, ass. that was just me. <laughs> <laughs> well, my favorite thing of 2020, I didn't choose this, uh, the sister album as my one up because I haven't given it enough time. I was there for the premiere of the music video and lead single. Um, I listened to some of the the tracks right after uh, they were released, but I haven't sat down with the album Evermore the same way that I consumed wholeheartedly and with every fiber of my being consumed the album Folklore by Taylor Swift. Um, Pandemic struck, lockdowns hit. I sat around in my pajamas and watched Classic Concentration on Buzzer. Taylor Swift wrote 18 brand new songs and recorded an album that spoke to every fiber of my being five ways from Sunday. It was a departure for her musically. It was a departure for her from a planning standpoint. Uh, For anybody that's followed Taylor Swift's career, she has an obsessive amount of control and detail over um, eras as she refers to them uh, going from album to album 
and there's a lead up, there's Easter eggs, there's all of these things, there's a lead single, and it's this build up and anticipation, and her fans are just scraping through, finding different Easter eggs and clues and hints to what's coming next. Um, back in July, Taylor Swift on a uh, Thursday morning tweeted out, I wrote an album. It's coming out at midnight. And that was it. And <laughs> less than uh, less than 24 hours later, it was probably maybe about 15 or so hours later, Folklore dropped with the lead single Cardigan uh, music video uh, that she directed and you know, made sure to go out of her way to point out and talk about all of the precautions they, they took. She styled her own hair, did her own, you know, outfitting and all of that because of uh, COVID-19 protocols, all these things, and put out, honestly, just a masterful piece of musical art. Um, a lot of people compared it or were, in essence, I guess, mad, saying that uh, it sounded very much like uh, the group The National, which I had not heard of before this. And uh, lo and behold, the reason why it sounded very much like The National was because Aaron Dresser of The National was her co-writer for the majority of her songs. Uh, she partnered with Jack Antonoff, who is a, a longtime collaborator with her. And then uh, William Bowery helped write two songs, uh, which it turns out William Bowery is not a person. Uh, it was a uh, pseudonym and an alias used by Joe Alwyn, her uh, boyfriend of four years, who uh, who helped write two songs and also wrote two songs on Evermore. Uh, it, it's a fantastic album. If you haven't listened to it, even if you're not a Taylor Swift fan, it hits in so many ways uh, from the highest of highs in, and hopefulness in a song like Invisible String to um, just the deepest of hurt in being betrayed and, and losing confidence in a person that you loved in my tears ricochet music that just touches every, every, every fiber of my soul right there in one album. So, uh, and then she went ahead and dropped uh, a, a photo on Twitter said not much happening here. And immediately afterwards, a day later announced uh, the long pond sessions where she, Jack Antonoff and uh, Aaron Dresser, uh, performed the entire folklore album from top to bottom in uh, in a cabin in the woods and did it as a premiere on Disney Plus, where they let shit go a couple of times, but they blurred out the word fuck the multiple times that she used it in the song Betty, which I was sad about. But then they released the album as you know, uh, uh, or the soundtrack to that as a companion piece to folklore. So the uh, the uncensored version is on there, and it's just beautiful and. Uh, just fantastic so go check out Folklore check out the Long Pond Sessions check out Evermore and uh, become a Taylor Swift fan without ever having to be a fan of uh, all the craziness surrounding her life so that is uh, my pick for my favorite thing of 2020 Um, oddly enough not the meaning of Mariah Carey Mariah Carey's best selling memoir because I haven't read it yet so that'll be my favorite thing for 2021 (laughs) I have a feeling it might be in my stocking this year and that, might, that feeling might be because I put it on my Amazon wish list for my mama and uh, she sends me stuff and it's not wrapped. So I get to wrap my own Christmas presents yeah. for my mother. As Brian can attest to, it happens every year. So weird. So uh, <laughs> so I might. 
Listen, I am still a child at heart, and I want presents underneath my tree. Man, and Amazon... So I will wrap them if you send them to Amazon me. Amazon raised that stupid gift bag price. Oh, my lordy. Oh, yeah. No, ma'am. Just send it to me, tell me it's a gift, and I'll wrap it and put it under my tree. I have no problem with doing that. And that's what my mama does. She's just like, click, 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 click. You got you got boxes coming to you. <laughs> and then there's me, my, 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 my homosexual little elf self. Wrapping my shit. Never a good job wrapping. But they're wrapped, and I'll have presents underneath my tree. (laughs) Well, dear listeners, we want to thank you because we do this, uh, one, to stay connected with each other uh, and enjoy our pop culture and geekiness, but because of all of you out there listening. We know that 2020 has not been uh, the best of years for everybody um, as the pandemic rages on. We want you all to be safe out there, stay healthy, uh, wear your mask, wash your hands, maintain social distance, because um, uh, we want you to be here for 2021. Join our Discord uh, server. If you haven't been sent an invite, reach out to us. Uh, we'll have it up on our social media. I promise it'll go out there if it hasn't already. Um, if you want to check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash flame on show. Uh, by all means, like I said, we're going to do a pause on our subscriptions uh, for the first couple months of uh, 2021 as we kind of reorganize everything that's going to be a part of that. Um, but thank you for, for for listening. Thank you for supporting us. Uh, for those of you that are, are provide us feedback or reach out to us and, and tell us that you enjoy what we do, we thank you and uh, we can't wait to see you in 2021. So with that being said, bye, bitch. Everyone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.